Okay, testing this mic. That looks good. How about you, Sean? How's uh? What would be your Taco Bell breakfast order? Testing one too. I like there's this little uh, bowl that has some hash browns and some eggs um, that I can kind of share with Max and so. Nice. That's the Taco just, Bell breakfast. Just a little thing. Delicious. Yo quiero Taco Bell. <laughs> That's an age well, did it that that thing? Never had a big problem with it. Do I have veto? I'm gonna go check. Tell Michelle too if she if he walks in close. Okay, and we are almost live. Wait for this car in the background to go by. Hey everyone, welcome back to Cutting Through the Noise, Destination Marketing Edition, Episode 3. Sean, how's your day? It's going well, going well. We were just talking about a uh, little fast food breakfast, so taking some polls over there. It's a competitive you know. world out there, the fast it food is. breakfast. It used yeah. to be a couple heavy hitters, and that was it. Everybody's got a thing now. No longer. You have to compete for the hash browns. Um, Sean, today we are talking the activation stage. So last time we talked a lot about acquisition, driving people to your site, new visitors, getting them to your site. You know, that can be a really tough step. Um Activation, a step that a lot of people forget about. Once you've worked so hard to get your visitors to your site, what happens next? How do you take those visitors that you've spent a lot of time, money, and resources getting to your URL to take an action, to raise their hand? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like if you spend all this time researching this car, you get this great hot rod, and then you leave it parked in the garage. Like, you know, you got you to do something with, with what you've sort of acquired. Yeah. Um, and I think today we kind of want to talk about sort of what activation looks like, um, what that actually means, because it's going to mean something different on every website for every um, organization in terms of, you know, what that conversion means. Um, so it's yeah. what it is. And then, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about kind of tracking it and then sort of what you do to sort of make sure that uh, what you've acquired and activated um, sticks around. Sure. Awesome. So... From uh, from where you sit, what would you kind of consider an activation conversion? What's a what's an example of somebody being activated? Yeah, great question. In in the lens of destination marketing, I think there's a lot of different conversions that one could measure. You know, of course, the final conversion is somebody visiting your destination, being a tourist at your at your location. Um, when we talk activation stage as digital marketers. What we're really talking about are micro-conversions, so things like someone filling out a form to request more info, things like somebody 
calling uh, the Economic Development Department to find out what are some tax benefits for relocating a business to your location. Uh, things like maybe requesting a packet. Uh, I want to see sort of a business packet or a tourism packet about your destination. As we think about, Sean, moving from acquisition to activation, um, a lot of times we start with people and one of the things we'll measure is, okay, well, from the acquisition standpoint, where are people coming from? We talked about that last week. But one of the things that a lot of folks that we talk with don't know as we start to remove layers of uncertainty is how their existing website is performing. So when we ask, you know, what percentage or what percentage of your website visitors are taking the action that you want them to, that's when we get some blank stares back at us. And if you're sitting there thinking, yeah, I couldn't answer those questions, like what percentage are clicking on my phone number or what percentage are watching that $50,000 video we produced last year um, and you don't know the answer to those things, that's okay. But just understand that when we talk activation, those are the types of things we're measuring. And how, when you're measuring those, what are some, you know, ways that, you know, people should be doing that, thinking about it as they're either, you know, setting up um, conversion tracking on their existing website, if they're, you know, looking at building landing pages, what are some things, just some kind of quick uh, things that everybody should be keeping in mind? Yeah, I think a good place to start is before you, you think about adding tools like Google Tag Manager or setting up events on specific call to action buttons. Uh, a quick audit of your existing site in each page of that site, and if you have 3,000 pages, maybe visit the top 10 most visited pages on your site and ask yourself and ask your team, you know, what is the goal of this specific page? Um, so you could do this right now. You could open up your destination marketing website or your economic development website on a mobile device or on your desktop. And on the home page, ask yourself if you could have one and only one action on this page, what would that action be? And then the next step is to ask yourself, well, how many other actions exist on this site that we care less about? And maybe there's some that you have to have. You know, you want someone to call and you want to give them the option to request information through a form. Um, but that would be step one, is answering the question, what's the goal of this site? If you have a, a site that talks about 10 things to do, you know, do you want them to just read the page? You want them to spend a long time on that page? Then maybe that's the goal you want them to take, and you can measure that. Step two is then figuring out, well, how are you going to track that? And that's a lot of times where people sort of stop, is they say, okay, we've identified the goal, and we think we've made some adjustments for it, but you're not really done. So because you need to know, is that working? Um, and this is where understanding uh, some of the tools that exist out there that we use, Sean, here at Pintler Group, things like landing page optimization and landing page software. We use Instapages to help create many different variations of sites. Uh, can you think of an example in a, in a tourism setting that one would use landing pages for? Thinking specifically for like personas, different personas. Yeah, I think, um, you know, personas from a, a geographical standpoint. I mean, a couple of weeks ago we talked about, you know, if you're trying to get somebody to go camping, you know, in um, somewhere in Montana, um, what you're going to show people out of state is different than what you're going to show people in state. Yeah. You know, and so I think, you know, in state, for example, Montana, you're trying to show why that camping destination is different from the other 12. Right. Whereas people out of state, you want to send them to a landing page where they're just being sold on Montana in general. 
Yeah. You know, and so that's where you kind of optimize and then, you know, you have your forms, your conversions there. But, um, you know, I think that's a, an example of where you'd want different sort of persona based landing pages. Yeah. And I think somewhere in between steps one and two, where you're, say, where you're asking yourself, what's the goal of this page? You do want to understand who exactly your personas are. Uh, I saw a stat as I was sort of preparing for this podcast from businessgrow.com that said that for most businesses, and I think tourism would definitely fall under this category, three to four personas account for about 90% of business. And I think that's, as you think about your own destination, sure, can anybody anywhere for the end of time visit your destination? Of course. If you're thinking about where we have limited resources here to deploy, we can't we can't build 1,500 landing pages for all the different types of personas that we think we have. Start with three or four. It's okay. You, you don't need 50 landing pages. Yeah, I mean, you can't be everything to everyone. Um, mm-hmm. So you just kind of need to be as much as you can to, you know, a few certain people. And, and there's going to be overlap. And I, I think that's true. I mean, when we're kind of tossing out examples here, you know, over the course of this season, we kind of are always – kind of going back to the same sorts of ones. It's like family vacation, you know, exotic, um, you know, weekend warrior type camping, climbing, those sorts of things. So I think we, uh, you know, kind of go back to the same one so I can see how that's probably pretty accurate. Yep. So step two, figure out how to measure or how to track those things. And, and we can help with that. There's plenty of documentation out there that helps figure out, okay, how do I track for every hundred visitors that comes to my site? How many of them play this video or, click on this button. And then the third and most important step is to optimize, to make sure that you're making the you know the adjustments. Um, if your goal is form completions and you want people to submit, hey, we want a packet to visit austin.com and we want, it, we want information about Austin. Uh, and maybe it's not a packet, but it's a PDF or it's some gated content. They're subscribing to a white paper about all the cool things to do in Austin. Um, Maybe audit those form fields. And if it's seven form fields and you're asking for address, but you're sending them a PDF, like, do you really need that address? And is that impacting your conversion rates? If you are wanting people to play a video that you spent a lot of money producing, it's high production and it's really great, but the video, you know, embed code, they have to sort of click on a play button underneath the video to play the video. There's some simple things that folks can do that since you look at the site every day, you don't really feel you don't you just know of course I have to click the play button under the video instead of just embedding the video like we've seen things before Sean when we've worked with clients that first shock us and then two we kind of high five We're like this is gonna be such a quick win for this client so easy right. uh, so it doesn't always have to be you know let's let's spend months sort of testing the color of this call to action button I think you know to say use the form example again so if you're getting zero submissions, you know, that's obviously a trigger that you need to to do something to optimize, to change up. But what if you're getting five a month? How do you assign value to the conversion? As in, what's the trigger to say, okay, something's not right, so let's dive in deeper, as opposed to, wow, this is working, so let's just not, you know, try to fix what's not broken. I mean, how do you, how do you kind of come up with those benchmarks and sort of assign even a monetary value to sort of a conversion when you're spending money to get people there? That's a great question. Um, a lot of that lies, and maybe this is step four, which is sort of tracking those leads. And this might be three dash A, step three dash A, but understanding 
how much is a lead worth to you. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're an e-commerce company and you sell $20 hats and you get, you're spending $2,000 a month on ads and you're selling five hats from your Facebook ads, that's something that you need to reevaluate. Or maybe not. Or maybe you ask the question of the customers that purchased a hat, how many of them are repeat customers for life? Um, you know, five form completions, if you, and maybe, Sean, you can talk about this, but after somebody fills out a form, you know, what are some things that businesses can do to help nurture that lead? Yeah, I think, you know, nurturing is is sort of the right word. I mean, you know, anybody can fill out a form. You could put a form on your website. People are going to fill it out, but, you know, you can't just then ignore it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of times, especially when we're thinking about destination marketing, um, you know, we're thinking about something that's not going to be done in one session in, in a lot of cases, um, you know, and it's not something like, oh, somebody submits a form, oh, I'll give them a call in a day or two. Um, you know, it kind of has to be it's sort of our culture and the way people exist. There, there's an immediacy to, to everything. Yeah, they're um, leaning into this You know, request. and there's an immediate reaction to every action. So something we really work on, you know, with all our clients is just um, a really strong email automation Mm-hmm. In the sense that you fill out a form and you're immediately getting kicked back an email. You know, some people, it's, you know, an offer. E-commerce client, you fill out a form, you get a coupon. Okay, great, I'm going to go buy something. Um, a lot of times, especially with when we think about long tail conversions, it's, you know, educational. Um, so, you know, thanks for submitting. You know, we'll be in touch. Mm-hmm. In the interim, here's a video about you know, the campsite that we're, we're trying to pitch you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the nice thing about automation, you don't have to touch it. People understand that it's not real. It mm-hmm. just is is what it is. But it's you're not trying to sell them on anything in terms of the first one. You're really kind of giving them um, education. And they can come back to it. Right. And then from there, you know, the nice thing about, um, you know, email clients um, like MailChimp is get really sophisticated in your automations in terms of, behavioral based. So mm-hmm. somebody signs up for a form, you send them an email, they don't open it. Maybe it gets resent or maybe somebody clicks and watches a video. Well, then that person I'm going to send an additional white paper to or a PDF. Right. And that can also analyzing that can also help you figure out how you want to be in touch with them. Um, just from a follow up standpoint, when it is time for human to human, um, contact. Yes. Yeah, segmenting in 2020 is certainly, uh, if you're not doing it, it's it's sort of the table stakes. It used to be advanced marketing tactics, and now if you're not segmenting and instead just sending sort of bulk email, um, you're missing out on opportunities for real engagement. There's a stat that I found from leadpages.net. Uh, 81% of sales happen after seven or more contacts, which wasn't surprising to me. What was surprising to me was the next stat that they reported, which was, 85% of most marketing and sales teams typically stop after two contacts. So 81% of sales happen after seven contacts, and most of the time people are stopping after two, which is exactly your point there, Sean, about continuing the conversation, nurturing the lead, figuring out when is it appropriate to reach out versus this, you know, they just need a, a nice drip email campaign and they'll raise their hand when they're ready. Yeah, because, I mean, not every form is going to be just a straight contact us and where you immediately need to call somebody back, you know. Right. And I think those forms are the ones that aren't going to convert anyway because nobody wants to actually talk to a real person at mm-hmm. first. 
Um, so when you're offering people something, it's not just send them the PDF, it's then check in with them, see what they thought about it, show them a video, you know, give them, I always like the email automations where it's just like some fun facts about the destination yeah. Panama. Um, knowing that they're going to take that step and, mm-hmm. you know, depending on your business, there may be a phone contact, but I think just sort of giving people the information and setting yourself apart from others um, is kind of what what is really going to um, help you convert that lead. Yep. The the next kind of piece of activation, it just brings to brings to mind a book, uh, The Sales Acceleration Formula by Matt Robert. He talks about the strategy at HubSpot that they use with forms. And, you know, if somebody completes a form and it meets some certain criteria, for example, okay, they work at a company with 50 or more employees and their title is, you know, C-suite, then that sort of gets raised to the top of the of the food chain at the, at the organization at HubSpot and they get a, a phone call from like a director of sales versus somebody that's just getting started and just wants some info, you know, and there's some questions that sort of filter these leads out in a real way. Um, and that's something that you can, you can use as well in destination marketing. Like where are you in your trip planning process? That might be a question to help figure out somebody that wants to book this week versus somebody that is in the research phase. And those are important distinctions. Yeah, I mean, even just asking when are you looking to travel can vary, you know, if it's in the next year or if it's in the next two months, that's another way to yeah. um, just kind of really kind of segment it out. You know, we have a client that, you know, sells a product and, you know, they sell it in large quantities and custom um, materials and they also just sell it kind of, you know, a la carte sort of what they have. And part of that is having to order over the phone. Part of it's having to order online. You know, and so when leads come in for them, you know, it's they're kind of qualified in terms of these are the, the, the big fish. These are the people that need to be talked to on the phone, like you said. But right. then everybody else gets sort of a different type of communication. It's not like they're just set aside and you're not important to us. They just are handled in an automated way that kind of gets them through the, the buying process. For sure. So a theme, Sean, that both of us kind of keep hitting on is segmenting. Segmenting and also personalization. Right. I mean, you're not going to be able to respond to everything personally. Right. Um, if you can, then you probably need to optimize because you're not getting enough leads. Right. So, um, you know, getting as personal personal in an automated way um, is pretty important. Yeah. Giving people different entry points. You know, don't only make your site geared toward people that are ready to book in the next two months. Okay. If someone's thinking about, you know, if someone just started dating and they're like, yeah, I might marry this person and they want to plan a wedding give that person some options too. Everybody's got to have options. They might be forward thinkers, you know, who knows? Hopefully the feeling's mutual between that couple. Um, Sean, this is the activation episode. Anything we missed? Well, you know, just one other thing. So we talked a lot about leads and people filling out forms, Um, you know, and those being um, sort of the people you're acquiring. What about um, you've acquired somebody and the conversion was making a purchase? Yeah. What do you do with that type of person? How do you activate them going forward? Well, you could be kind of previewing our next uh, week, which is retention. And that was the lead-in, uh, just to say, good. you know yes. what, we're going to talk about that next week. We That's... got a little bit of retention piece next week. Yeah. So once they've, once they've taken action, yeah, your job as a marketer has only just begun uh, when it comes to especially marketing. Yeah. I mean, or, or sorry, destination marketing. Exactly. Um, repeat visitors, word of mouth. 
lots lots to be talked about there. All right, so that, that's a tease. So tune in next week um, when we talk about retention. That's it. Hope you enjoy the episode. Cool. Nice teaser there for the next week. That's good. <coughs> a lot of times when I'm doing